Welcome back to the Decibel Wines podcast, where I literally had to dust off the microphones and everything now that Harvest has settled down. Uh, and uh, I've got Eric Camera here. Yeah, That's how you say your last name, just yeah. like the, just like, just the like photo the, taker. Yeah, exactly. Um, from California, but we're in New Zealand uh, right now. And uh, I'll get sponsorship out of the way right away because it's always sponsored by decibel wines new zealand <laughs> and uh a new website coming up and some new releases coming up so please check that out uh that sort of indirectly allows us to be a free podcast and if i uh, hopefully we'll start recording a bunch more of these now that we're in the off season after harvest and uh that's kind of why we're here today to talk to eric uh about uh, what got him to New Zealand, uh, what he's been up to to this point. And, uh, I want to ask you about, you know, what you think of New Zealand so far. And, uh, well, shit, you've been on a, quite a run, by the way, you can curse. We're, okay. we're on the, uh, X or whatever, not X rated, but, uh, you know, uh, explicit on okay. iTunes and okay. everything. So, okay. I mean, we're talking about wine. This is for adults Yeah. anyway. So, uh, you were just telling me that you were born, uh, in California, yeah. Uh, whereabouts again? In uh, Monterey County, so Carmel Valley. And there's a little history in wine with the family. Yeah, my dad's been been growing grapes in in California since I think 1975 was his first. That's first, old school uh, vintage. Yeah, yeah. Out in the Sierra foothills, actually, and then slowly uh, we made our way to to Napa. In so it's pretty hot Sierra foothills, or. Yeah, can be. Yeah, that's. I mean, um, I always thought it would be. You know. Yeah, I'm not. There's definitely. So the uh, big reds are kind of growing there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think they had they had um, a lot of Zen and Petit Syrah. I'm not 100 percent sure, but um, definitely does get hot up in the hills there. Yep. But yeah, I moved to to Napa in 1990 out in Carneros, and then shortly after that, moved up to Mount Beater, and that's where I grew up primarily. Yeah, see, I thought you had, I had in my head talking to you today that you come from a sort of cooking background, which a little bit you have. Yeah. But yeah. that's kind of interesting to know that, uh, you know, your old man was in it and there's some history there. And I mean, 70s growing grapes is in California is pretty cool. I mean, yeah. that's kind of when it got really put on the map. I mean, I know it started probably more in the 60s with some a lot more vineyards established. Yeah. And, yeah. But 70s is when people started going, oh, shit, this is uh, something yeah, good here. Yeah, can do this pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, definitely cooking kind of came towards the end of high school and, and after I graduated high school. And, and that started from where I grew up, up behind um, the Hess Collection Winery. I mean, was it like a, an actual, you were into food or just yeah. a job? It, was uh, it like, started, started as just a job. So I started working in the you know weekends here and there, helping you know, washing dishes and help prep cook in there, mm-hmm. in the winery's um, kitchen, and and uh, got into it and started cooking at a couple different spots in downtown Napa, and um, yeah, probably I was just turned twenty one, and that's when I I started studying viticulture, which I kind of discovered that I really liked, which I never thought I'd. You know, it sounds boring. like like what I you know what my dad did and you know so um, as far as far as that goes it just kind of made sense to get some winery experience and so yeah made the switch from 
work in kitchens for a few years to to do a harvest and that's when I uh, started working at Gerard in mm-hmm. 2008 and that was at uh Bounty Hunter where you were at yeah yeah so I was at Bounty Hunter and for I will a few give years. uh Glenn a shout out because we are drinking his wine right now yeah which is actually I'm glad I waited to open this with you because it's it's really good. Yeah. Uh, this is the, what is it, Maceo? Maceo, 2009. The 09 Maceo. So uh, we'll have to take a little photo and send it to Glenn. And yeah, definitely. Get him psyched because like I did a little wine swap uh, for him with this, which he's a good winemaker. That's a good place to start. Yeah. Somebody who's sort of hardworking and real down to earth like he is. So yeah. I think a guy like that, uh, I met him fairly well. You know, I was a little older and I was... Um, had some more experience by the time I met him, but I knew some younger people when I worked there that I thought, wow, that's pretty awesome. You get to work for a guy like that to get started off with because he's patient, he's knowledgeable, yeah. and he actually works in the winery. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. He does. He he can do it all. Yeah, and so Glenn actually hired me in in um, two thousand five at, at the Bounty Hunter. He was the the general manager there at the time, and um, you know, a couple years after that is when he went went off and started his his winemaking journey. So um, yeah, it was about a year after that that I kind of got in contact with him about um, working a harvest, and it came about really quick. I I uh, got shot him an email, and then. I went out, I think, the next day for an interview, and they hired me that day, and I, I quit my job and started two weeks later. So it, was all, it all happened really quick, and, um, you know, everything worked out really well where they kept me on um, in the cellar full-time after that. And and Gerard's just kind of blown up since then. I mean, they've, yeah. they've really expanded and gotten uh, a lot more sort of, uh, recognition nationally. And, yeah. and, uh, I mean, I know people, I've run into people and in, well on the other side of the country is like, Oh yeah, they're awesome wines. So, and that would have been probably happening then. And then yeah. you made a jump to round pond. Was it right after that? Right after that. Yeah. So I was at Gerard for just about three years and kind of moved my way up the ranks there. And, and, um, an opportunity came up at, at round pond. Um, and I kind of jumped at it and it was, it was really great cause it was, you know, it's hundred percent estate vineyards and you're, you're, you're in the vineyards, you know, it's where the winery is. And so there's a lot more, um, yeah, you're hands on time with yeah. the vines, which, yeah. um, you know, I really have nothing to say bad about any place I've worked, but that was one of the things with Gerard. It was, it was tough sometimes to get, get that exposure with the vineyards, but, um, yeah, so Round Pond, it was kind of a little bit time to switch gears, and uh, it's a pretty small spot. So don't, do they, do they sell fruit to other people there yeah. too? Yeah, because they have quite a bit of land there. Yeah. They're, they're, I've had like some interaction with them because a buddy of mine's friend ran this tasting room or something mm-hmm. to do with the kitchen, I can't remember, and he took care of me, went in there and really tasted. They had a, kind of an interesting range of wines for a small place. Yeah. And then I, and then I think I heard down the road that, oh yeah, we buy this fruit from Round Pond. And I went, oh, okay. And then I realized, I'm like, yeah, that seemed like a lot of land. <laughs> yeah. They have the estate. There's about, I think it's about 400 acres, I think mm. 380, and 360 that's planted. Yonville? 
Rutherford. Rutherford. Yeah. So, so I mean, pretty much right in the middle of the valley. Either one is prime time. I mean, yeah. that's awesome. Awesome yeah. piece of property. And most, most of the business was selling grapes and still is. Uh, they have expanded a couple of their uh, programs a little bit. But uh, for the most part, yeah, the, the estate winery there, we did about but the one, the facility, tons. yeah, it's fantastic. It's pretty awesome. It was, uh, it's put together uh, really well, and and the winery is that way too. I mean, I was just talking about the tasting room is kind yeah, of a the, bit of a spectacle. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. The winery is is pretty um, pretty top notch. Um, but again, like a smart guy that you are, you said I'm going to take a challenge and and move on to the next thing. Yeah, and I got to the point where I think as a young person you kind of have to. Yeah, and I'd never never really. Actually, never at all lived outside of Napa, and I grew up there, and just kind of got an itch um, just before the 2012 harvest, which uh, is when I met you. Yeah, right around then. Yep, and was starting to to think about, you know, doing some traveling, and and I started with uh, a buddy of mine with Ryan, mm-hmm. he worked with. Um, started just drinking a lot of wines from from other parts of the world, and kind of just. I think I was definitely looking to be a little picky on where I went. I didn't want to just go sure. work somewhere just to work. So, um, yeah, New Zealand and, and Australia obviously were the first two that, that came to mind as far as vintages abroad. And um, so, does it, as far as because uh, I, you know, I left America and came right down here, and mm-hmm. then have to look at other wine regions as to okay, maybe I want to go work there, and everything was. Like, no brainer for me to go to California because I didn't need a visa. Right. But uh, as far as being somebody who come up from California, I mean, I don't see tons of New Zealand wine in there. I see some an, uh, or Australian wine because they have so much of their own wine. But yeah. within the industry itself, it's pretty much known there. Like you got to go to New Zealand. You got to go to Australia is cool too. Yeah. You know. And you hear saying? so many stories, and you know, you, it's such a you know a small industry, and um, I'd always heard good things about both and. You know, I've had friends who worked in the same wineries that I ended up working in and stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah, ended up uh, getting a job with two hands in the Barossa Valley. And so... Um, and you, were you left, telling me that was kind drunk. of a weird story? You literally, like, had a taste of their wines and sent them an email or something? Yeah, I'd, I'd had um, quite a few wines from, from the Barossa. It was kind of the region that I figured if, you know, I wanted to get exposure with with Australian Shiraz and, and two hands was kind of one of those spots, at least looking on their website, like they specialize in kind of showing the regionality of Shiraz from around South Australia and in Victoria. And so I figured, wow, I can go, go to this place and be under one roof, but see vineyards from, from all over. And, um, so yeah, I'd had a few of their, their, uh, wines and, and emailed, um, emailed the winemaker and, and um yeah it worked out that's like later. pretty rare by the way yeah i'll well, just shoot him an email and then next thing you know you got a job i mean i've i know so many people who have been like oh i just can't find a and that are totally good wine makers. yeah and, don't get me wrong i definitely sent other emails as well where i didn't hear back from yeah but, um two hands was definitely um i'd say those top kind of two spots that i really wanted to go to and um, had a blast and they kept me on after harvest. So I ended up working there for about eight months or seven months. And, um, yeah, it was a blast. It was just, you know, different from 
anything I'd done before and, you know, living in a new area was, was a blast and, um, we had a really fun crew that year and yeah, it's just, it was really good times and it was a pretty good vintage. I think, um, I really like that any place I've traveled, I haven't hit any, uh, keeping pretty good. Yeah. yeah. You missed 11 and 12 here. And I mean, it's saying yeah. that, you know, I had a, I have a French buddy who I've actually done on the podcast here who he caught like he was he was in and out of New Zealand like uh, over the course of eight years three times yeah and he caught the two worst vintages ever <laughs> and one that was like man eh, it was just okay you yeah. know and the rest of the seven or eight you know in that mix were awesome and uh, so that's that's good you get to see what what uh, and you, you caught an interesting year this year in New Zealand that's yeah for sure. it, it was uh, something like I've never experienced it was it's definitely different. But before that, you went to Oregon, right? Yeah, so I left um, left two hands in August and and flew directly to to Portland and started work a few days later with uh, with Penner Ash Wine Cellars. And now, I had a a guy I met one of the f- uh, first Americans I met uh, in New Zealand that was working. I think he was working at Vital. Yeah, he was. He was working at Vital at the time. He was from yeah. Oregon, and he said to me, "Which fair enough." He said, "You know, gosh, it's so." boring around here you know hawks bay is pretty pretty cruisy and you know unless you're a big surfer or something or or right. uh, into into fresh veggies it's kind of thing. <laughs> but there's not a lot of people in their 20s and 30s right. outside of harvest or anything so he said i really need like a little action i love the fact that working in oregon that i can just shoot into portland at any time and is that yeah the experience that you had yeah yeah i lived in in mcminnville so uh, about 45 40 minutes away depending on traffic mm. um so yeah i think most days off that i had or weekends you'd definitely go and do something in portland portlandia uh, yeah yeah it's a it's a fun city it's just a really fun area but even even in stand in lamp valley like uh, there's a lot to do there's a lot of young people and yeah i uh, think it's a really fun area i had, I had a blast it, it went by felt like it went by really quick and it, it, it definitely did it was there with with the winery for I think four months and um yeah it was a blast first time working with Pino and um again I had I had really good luck with kind of get, getting the job there and could have been happier with the crew that that they that I worked with Penner Ash pretty serious yeah Lynn is kind of the uh the the queen of Oregon Pino I'd say she's mm. uh definitely one of the most talented winemakers I've worked for. It was really great to have that, that experience. Um, and I kind of came across it actually had a bottle of, uh, 2009 Shea Pinot at, at a two hands, uh, work party. The owner of two hands is a huge, huge wine collector and just, just a overall, just a fan about anything wine. And so, He's always sharing bottles from from his travels, and and this bottle of Penner Ash came up around the time I was looking for kind of the next the next job. I thought about going to France, and actually, uh, Michael from Two Hands had uh, tried to help me with that. But sometimes visas are a bit tough for it's Americans tough. in Europe. But uh, so yeah, I had this bottle of Penner Ash, and and um, decided to email emailed this assistant winemaker, and he got back to me pretty quick, and. And, uh, yeah, kind of, uh, got the offer before, before I left. And that was a good vintage as well. Yeah, definitely. There's some, 
um, crazy amount of rain that came through, but uh, I think that overall we fared pretty well. Hmm. Um, it was definitely a lot of rain in, in five days' time, but um, um, you get that feeling when I, I've only been through there. I spent like four or five days mm-hmm. in Willamette, and uh, it's just a bit heavier there. You know, the yeah. soil, the you can feel that. You know, I don't think it rained much when I was there, but it was really humid. It was the middle of the summer, mm-hmm. and you get that feeling like at times it can be dry, but it's still humid. Yeah. And I always get, you know, when I walk through vineyards, you know, you kind of get a feeling like, okay, yeah, no matter what time of the year it is, you can sort of get a feeling like, yeah, yeah. this is what this place is like. It's a little heavier. It's really dry. It's as long as you have a, a little bit of a feel for, or you have a, you know, maybe a couple of days where you're kind of torn around and you get a feel for the area. And that's, I just felt it to be, a bit heavier there. I was surprised at that it was as humid as it was for Pinot. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, you know, I haven't been hands on, like worked in a Pinot vineyard for full time. Like I've worked in sort of Bordeaux varietals and right. things like that. And, um, but I did love the Pinot Gris there, which was yeah. something really different. For, you know, we make Pinot Gris in New Zealand. That's, mm-hmm can be all over the show yeah the good ones tend to be kind of oily and rich and spicy even uh but they had like a sweatiness to them or something you know and and spicy too and and uh, i was kind of really thought that was neat to see oh this is the white wine they do really well yeah and and reasoning as well i think um there's some really great reasoning vineyards in 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 oregon and um was a really good thing to work with at at penrash as well um I think as far as the rain goes, I think, you know, in California, I'm so used to, you know, any winemaker I've worked for kind of freak out a little bit about, you know, it's rain is just like any, any bit of it. And, and it's, you know, even in California, it, it pretty much always rains at some point in October. Yeah. And, uh, but in Oregon, it's, there's, I think they're, they're used to it more. They know, yeah. they know, they know that it's the reality of, of growing grapes in Oregon and, and, um, they're a little bit more, for the most part, I'd say they're a little more relaxed about it. A little bit more understanding of the fact that you just can't change the weather. And no. You're going to make wine no matter what. So, um, yeah, that was a fantastic experience. And again, it was one of those spots where uh, I think depending on the year, they, they can do up to 10 or 12 different single vineyard wines. and All Pinots, you mean? Yeah. Wow. And, um, yeah, so it was one of those things to be able to get all that experience with multiple different kind of sub-regions from the area under one roof i don't know if you had any experience with it but how the hell do they sell they just sell to different markets i mean they don't have some i think a lot of the a lot of the single vineyards would be through tasting room and their wine club club. there are some some of them that are only available to the wine club okay is my understanding and and uh yeah i think they really don't have a problem selling it i think um they have a fantastic team that that Lynn and Ron have put together there, and and yeah, it was it's definitely like a very family oriented kind of feel, mm-hmm. and you know everybody eats lunch together, and everybody eats you know during harvest everybody eats dinner together, and everybody does kind of everything. I mean, there are times when you know Ron, one of the owners, you know, he's loading bins on the the sorting table, or he's 
Yeah, it makes you want with the press or helps whatever, make work whatever, a lot whatever, easier. Yeah. And everybody, it's just such a good atmosphere, and we had a lot of fun, and uh, it made some really good wines, I think. And then on to New Zealand. And then to New Zealand, so I locked so in quite a streak. Yeah, and I actually of... before before I even finished working with Two Hands, I had Penarash lined up, and then um, uh, Craggy Range as well. So. Yeah, I left Oregon in December or November, and then a little bit of time off, which which was good, but it was probably a little bit too much. I got a little bored. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then down, yeah, flew to New Zealand in February and started work with, with Craggy Range. And uh, It's a good place to start in New Zealand. Yeah. I mean, one yeah, of the more yeah. iconic new brands, right. for, certainly in the last 15 years, uh, so that's pretty crazy to good good place to start and get a look around and then i guess within that and the family of 12 you got to check out some other productions and yeah and wineries around but uh yeah it's kind of a good a good place to start because craggy i mean there's going to be people that it's, yeah, i never have oh this is my favorite winery or this is but they certainly make great wines from uh, Hawks Bay and Martinboro, yeah, and are great representations of what these areas can do. Right, uh, from the Giblet Gravels to Tamuna Road, which are two great like subregions of yeah. of the, those areas. Uh, they do a bit of Otago Pinot too, or something. Yeah, they or? used to. I think yeah. last year, or the year before, where it was the last um, yeah. year of that. I think that's a. Uh, I'd like to hear that anyway. I like to see a little more support to Martinboro anyway. Yeah, Martinboro is great, and I think that the the vineyard that they've developed out there is is fantastic. It's um, I was lucky to have have a chance to go out there with with Matt, uh, the winemaker, and and uh, he knows that vineyard so well as he does the Gimlin gravels. But yeah, I think uh, I just read an article that he's down there all the time. Yeah, which yeah, is good. which is good. I mean, it's about a three hour drive, and and um, you know, just close enough to yeah. make it make it doable and um yeah, it would just the way that the vineyard's put together, it's it's really smart and it's really um yeah, it's a really good layout. Yeah. And um again they've got a great great vineyard team down there to to look after things and um And were, when you were in Martinboro, did you have a chance to I mean personally I think Tamuna and uh, the terraces, the sort of more traditional where you can walk yeah. out of the town of Martinboro right. and get to Atarangi and mm-hmm. uh, all those sort of small, older wineries in that area, Palliser yeah. and places like that, Martinboro Vineyards. Um, they're pretty close, but uh, I think you know, maybe slightly longer growing season up in Tamuna Road. Uh, but... Mm-hmm pretty darn close whereas if you start getting up to Wairarapa there can be definitely more primary fruit but that it's that sort of earthy mushroomy Burgundian yeah. dare yeah, I say yeah. you know yeah as opposed to Otago or or Marlboro which has you know their own styles as well um so that's probably a decent uh comparison to Oregon maybe too in in some ways or what did you feel yeah that, I think that, I think definitely um I think I probably saw more similarities. Uh, it's hard to say between Central Otago and, and Willamette Valley. Okay, um, but I'd say I, I favor. Why is that? For Just me, big fruit or a little bit. But um, there was 
I think behind a lot of the wines there was a little bit more um, more of like an earthy character that I would associate with with uh, Oregon. Uh, and that's just me. I think that Martin Bro was probably my favorite to work with, and I don't know if that's because you know that's all we worked with at Craggy, but even going down there after after Vintage with some of the crew and um, tasting through a lot of the wineries, I think Martin Bro was um, was really good. So the more subtlety to it, I think. Yeah, you know? yeah. And don't get me wrong, I, I think Central Otago is no, fantastic it's fantastic. As well, but it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know? um, Certainly the wines coming out of there speak for themselves. They jump yeah. out of the glass and things like that are really cool. Yeah. Um, and also I think Martin Burrow, Sauv Blanc, I liked. Uh, yeah, it's that's a little, where most of our, you know, the Tamina Road Sauv Blanc. Yeah, it's a little, a little more of that uh, tropical fruit. Yeah, yeah. Not quite Hawks Bay savvy, but, yeah. you know, it's getting and up not, into there. Not yet Marlboro. Yeah. So. <laughs> we like to trash. Yeah, we're going to trash. <laughs> You got to trash Marlboro Sab Blanc, but hey, man, it pays the bills for uh, most of New Zealand, and uh, Sab Blanc overall does. Yeah, you know? and uh, you know, it's it is what it is, as they say. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. Uh, I've been I've been uh, doing a lot of sob racking at the winery at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, now, Craggy's been great. It was uh, it's definitely a different kind of different uh, vintage than I'd ever experienced as far as just when certain varieties came in, depending on, because they get fruit from, you know, a few different regions, and they do, do get a lot of stuff so, from, from Marlboro. It was a little bit weird, and the Syrah, I think, was a little ahead of, uh, you know, you can have some years where the Syrah is just almost right in front of Cabernet, uh, depending on what how the season is here. Yeah. Uh, but this year, I don't know what you guys experienced, but most of what I saw was the Syrah was coming in basically right after Merlot. Yeah, uh, or even mixed in. Yeah. Um, but what are your thoughts? Like, what is your favorite sort of Hawks Bay? What Hawks Bay has to offer? What's been your favorite thing? You know, I think um, definitely Syrah was a real treat to work with. Some of the stuff that we uh, saw across the sorting table was was pretty amazing on on just the flavors and the taste and the aroma, even of the grapes. How how much that stuck around in the wine and how you saw that even drinking, you know, the other, other, other vintages, vintages yeah. that you're just like, wow, this is such a I think you caught it. it seems to me, even like we talked about those bad vintages, you know, 11 and 12, which, you know, puts a little hair on your chest and get toughens you up and yeah. really makes you appreciate the, the good ones or even the, the, the pretty good ones yeah, or the great ones. Um, that I've tasted, I had a, a Syrah from 2012 from, I'll just call it Winery X, that I didn't have big expectations for. And I was like, Man, this is pretty, pretty damn good. Yeah. You know, I know the guy who did the viticulture there and they've, and I'm like, yeah. And I've had wines from them in the past that have been in like Bordeaux blends and stuff that I've been like, ah, I don't know if I like this as much. Right. Seems to be that Syrah year in, year out is pretty much the grape that suits the area, yeah. you know, and, and it, and it can do, it can be great in really long, hot, dry years. It can be, uh, if anything, not as great in those years, but in the, these sort of, uh, you know, longer seasons or maybe a little rainier or whatever it is, it seems to, to fit the area really, really well. Yeah. But I don't know if you're aware of it. I mean, working at craggy might be a different experience, but there's not a lot planted in the area. Yeah. So, uh, 
we I spoke with uh, Jeff Wilson, who used to be the Giblet Gravels administrator. He now works okay. for a different company, but he's real knowledgeable about like everything that goes on in the industry. And he just pointed out that like we have to be really as you know a Hawks Bay wine growing community. We have to be really conscious. Like okay. Syrah's really good and everything, but you realize there's not that much of it now. I think there'll be more and more planted. Yeah. And uh, and we need to definitely back it and show it as, you know, what. what are, but as far as uh, we still have a lot more Merlot out there. Yeah. Um, uh, which Merlot does great, too. Yeah, it you does. Know? That was another, I think, at least in, in the Gimla Gravels area, was a good um, kind of eye-opener for me. I, you know, I'd really, coming from mostly a California background, it was... I hadn't really worked with, with Merlot or Bordeaux in general that were, you know, kind of sometimes under 24 bricks, you know. So many and, kids uh, from California come here and they go, <laughs> I can't believe they picked it at 23. And I'm yeah. like, just wait till you taste yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And that was some, that was a huge eye-opening experience just, you know, doing pump overs on those tanks where you're just like, is this, uh, this going to be okay? And, you know, some of the stuff, you know, just like, yeah, it'll be, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Like, this is... And the wines have turned out fantastic. I think we've it's a different really problem. In California, when I first went there, because I came from here, I was out in the vineyard and I was like doing all the vineyard sampling for this winery I was working for. And I was tasting the grapes and I was like, I know last time I took the samples in this vineyard, it was 26 bricks. And I'm tasting it now and it's probably 27. Yeah. And it's not ready. Yeah. And it, they get sugar ripe. Yeah. And not exactly. flavor ripe there. And we get flavor ripe but maybe not sugar ripe in, yeah. in time so well and even with cabernet particularly yeah you know, but yeah. even merlot and syrah can show that way yeah and just the way just the the way that the tannins came out in the merlot and the cab franc and the cab was um you know you just wouldn't get that kind of those more mature tannins from um the same sugar ripe no. you know back in california and no so way. i think that was probably you know where my head was at, but it was, uh, it was a great experience to, to see how you don't need those. Uh... And Merlot, I mean, there's not a heck of a lot of it too. in in the Valley now, no, and, and no. it's, which is a shame because in those, and I'm using the air quotes, tougher years, which yeah. one of them was the year that I was there. And I was like, you guys gotta be kidding me. Yeah. Which was, uh, 2011 in Napa. Yeah. But 10, I guess was a tough year as well there. Mm-hmm. That, uh, I'm thinking you could probably use some Merlot in a year like this to yeah. blend with the Cabernet and provide that, you know, maybe nice, really ripe, rich fruit if that's what you guys are, you know, going for, uh, as opposed to just all cab all, all day. But right. it's tough to argue with when you're selling $100 bottles and yeah. everybody's, yeah. and it's selling out, you know. Yeah. But uh, that was kind of, that's some of the big differences that I've seen. But, um, yeah, acid as well, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, not having to add acid and water. To <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely different. Um, yeah, I really didn't see. I don't think we really did any of that at, at Craggy, and um, you know, I like the way that the winery is set up. I mean, beautifully. It's, yeah, that's it really, you really couldn't ask for any more bells and whistles uh, than they've got, and um, you know, they really have the adaptability of. Um, the equipment to process fruit kind of whatever, whatever way they need, whether it be Pinot or, or, or Merlot, whether it be machine picked or hand picked and, you know, 
mm-hmm. FYBs, you know, so. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's run, it's a, you know, decent sized winery, but it's, you know, it's run like a, like a small spot. I mean, a lot of the fermenters, you know, they've got a lot of three and four ton oak cubes and. Yeah. And, no, that place is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Through there a couple it's times. It's pretty, and, pretty great. And, yeah. um, yeah. they've got a really, uh, really talented crew there full time. And, you know, I think that always makes, uh, makes the learning experience better in a place, you know. So do you drink uh, much white wine? Yeah. And uh, what did you think about I mean, have you gotten to go around and taste much of the aromatics and things like that around here? Because that's some of my favorite stuff about New Zealand. Is, I mean, I'm, you know, Pinot, Syrah, and, the, and then the sort of secret in Hawke's Bay of some of the Bordeaux blends are all awesome. But, uh, you know, some of the more interesting whites out there. Chardonnay up and down the country is ridiculous. Yeah, Char- Chardonnay, I mean, definitely like, like I said, the Tamina Road that Sauvignon Blanc from Martinborough is um, one of my favorites. You know, we tasted through Marlboro, and um, there were definitely a lot of wines that I liked there, but it was maybe a little too easy to get burnt out on. Yeah, it's on pretty good. around there, and, get and um, repetitive. But I think, yeah, I think Chardonnay for me, I'm used to again, you know, very different style, and it was uh, it's, it's the Chardonnays I've had here. Of, Made me made me like Chardonnay again. And, I, know, I think um, they've reinvented. You know, it's this bit of a secret of New Zealand. I think that if the world didn't already have so many Chardonnays and wasn't and there wasn't a little bit of a burnout on it, uh, that's you know supposedly coming back or whatever. But yeah, uh, that people would realize from the up to Auckland down to Otago, there's just amazing Chardonnays, yeah. just within a really ridiculous range, and because of our soils here and the acid that we can get from the wines that Mm -hmm. they're totally different than people have experienced. Like, Oh, it's almost reinventing. And it's, it shows that these primary fruit because Chardonnay tends to get fucked with, whether that means barrels, malolactic fermentation, all these kind of, you know, the winemaker stamp on this is how we do it. But you know, just the pure fruit that can come out, and Hawks Bay is right up there with awesome Chardonnay. Yeah, and, I mean, like obviously some some of the stuff in the Gimla Gravels, but some some vineyards out at like Cape Kidnappers were, I think, some of my favorites. And yeah, you know, going up in like some of the Chardonnay at S Valley was really nice. And um, yeah, I think that was the white for me that that uh, was most intriguing. Um, Pinot Gris. Mm. Yeah, again, it's all over the show, but when they do it right, yeah. there's some really good ones yeah. out there. Um, yeah, Viognier, I think, is pretty interesting, but again, that's only for a special occasion, maybe, or a certain yeah, thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I'll try one of those. I heard they make a good one. Chenin Blanc esque makes a nice one. Yep. Milton up there, up in yeah. uh, So there's, yeah, there's some interesting ones around. So that's cool. And now you're. Uh, Sort of winding down and heading back to California. Yeah, I've got probably another month, another month or so. Mm-hmm. Um, probably leave mid mid July, head back to California, and um, yeah, back to summer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're chasing nice. summer and fall, but you've gotten because you've been able to stick around. You've gotten to see what our rainy winters are yeah. like here in yep. Hawks Bay. You know. Yeah, it's been good. But I think the one. Like we have a nice summers, which I'm, I think you got to experience yeah. a pretty good yeah, amount definitely. of. But we had that. We had a little bit of rain during harvest, but I think the, what people don't 
realize it was on a year round sort of thing. Like, uh, I think, I guess it was more May that it just was beautiful. Like so many days, like cold, yeah. it can get cold at yeah. night, but then just like every day, just sunny and warm and, and you know, yeah. those are the days where I start, you know, I really appreciate living here and the, the climate and everything. So, uh, it's pretty good to go to work in days like that, you know? Yeah. Well, sure. the last week's been pretty shitty, but what are you oh, going to do? Yeah, rain happens. It's sheep season anyway around yeah, here. Yeah, they're everywhere if in the vineyards. Look, if you look out my window right now, it's, uh, you know, I hear them calling me, Dan, Dan. <laughs> and you're starting a new job. Do you want to talk about that? At all? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go. So we've got a harvest gig back in, in Napa at Outpost, so on Howl Mountain. You're going to start uh, there pretty quickly, or? Uh, it'll be in August. Okay, so, so you got a little time. August, yeah. So not too much time, but enough to get settled back in. Yeah, yeah. Figure out where, figure out a spot to live, and you know, hang out with the folks for a bit. I think uh, that's one thing. I'll just give you a little refreshing. Yeah. I think that's one thing that um, you know. There's like that Facebook page of traveling winemakers and. But there's a quite a bit of people out there. That's quite an interesting sort of few year run you've had there where you're going back and forth, hemisphere to hemisphere. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. People can't believe it that, you know, you're you know, you're six months here, six months there and and really working the whole time. You yeah, know? yeah. And it's I mean it's a it's a lot of fun. I mean, obviously any, anywhere, you know, good good wines are made and good grapes are grown it's Usually normally a pretty, pretty great climate and <laughs> yeah. a great place to live pretty so. cool yeah and there's normally always good um you know good food around and, and good working people. with wine, winery people are normally always you know passionate fun people yeah so into what they're doing yeah, yeah exactly either that they don't last long if they're not you know yeah cleaning out drains and stuff like that you kind of have to be <laughs> you got to be able to joke joke around a bit and yeah <laughs> Cool. Well, um, shit, we'll see where you end up in a, in a little bit of time. And uh, in the meantime, we'll go out and taste a few wines today. Awesome. And uh, I think it's pretty cool. Cheers that we get to uh, taste some of Glenn's wine. Yeah. Good job. By the way, Glenn, this reminds me of almost like a Hawks Bay, you know, cool climate wine. And it's California. What's this, Russian River Russian Valley? River, yeah. It's a pretty, pretty great vineyard out, out, uh, out in Russian River. Grenache. Uh, Grenache Syrah, 50-50. Well, Glenn, thanks, buddy. Thanks, Glenn. And uh, hopefully I get to see you guys soon. Cheers.